0: All right, fair enough. Hey, um, just a couple things that I want to uh, bring to your attention before we get too far along, because these are probably more important than anything I could say this morning. I shouldn't say probably, they are more important than anything I could say this morning. Um, We, uh, and they involve uh, the same family, as a matter of fact. So one, uh, most of you know that Malia Davidson has been in Honduras for uh, two years, two plus years, something like that. Where'd she go? She's somewhere. She's over here. There she is in the back row. uh, And she is back. She's back with us today. So we are, we are super grateful for that, and uh, not only are we grateful that uh, Malia's back, but also this morning Levi Davidson is going to be baptized into Christ following services, so we are grateful for that as well. We're pretty excited that, uh, that Levi has made that decision. And one thing you guys would never know about, but I'm pretty excited about, my iPad just decided to show my sermon, because it was blank till about two seconds ago, and I was sweating like, oh boy. I'm going to have to wing it. Uh, here we go. That's all right. It would have been fine, I'm sure. Um, so if, uh, if you haven't been with us yet, we are in toward the end of a series. We have one more week uh, in this series called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And what we're doing is we're talking about what Jesus said was the second most important command, the second most important thing that you as a human being can do is figure out who is and what to do with your neighbor—that's like that's the big thing—and and so so Jesus were like talking to us today. He'd say, "Well, hey, are you guys doing a good job loving God?" And we'd be like, "How do you do that?" And he would explain, "How are you guys doing loving your neighbor? How do you do that?" And he would explain. But these are the things that Jesus would would care about. These are the the two most important things that uh, he talked to us about. We're going to talk, kind of uh, develop that here in a little bit. But I wanted to tell you about something that happened. Oh, a couple weeks ago now, um, we had had somebody over and they were backing up out of our driveway. And it was one of those nights where the weather couldn't decide what it was going to do. So it was raining and freezing and snowing. And, you know, it, everything was like a roller skating rink. You know how that was? Like if you're walking outside your car, you were kind of doing this. Maybe some of you were down on all fours. You're just like, I'm not going to risk a fall. I'm just going to crawl the car here. But it was one of those those nights. Somebody had backed out of our driveway and then just the the, the driveway was like, mm, not, we have enough of an incline in our driveway. Driveway, that it's just like you know what, it's not quite enough to like sled down, but it's enough that if you're going to try to walk or drive, forget it. You're just going to slide down the driveway into the road. But this person was trying to control. Um, no name shall be mentioned because you may know who they are, and they slid right off the driveway, kind of into a snowbank. And uh, I went out and tried to help push them out, and they were they were stuck stuck. But it was like one tire stuck. You know how frustrating that is? And you're just like, this one tire, come on, we can, we can do this. Like, like, Let's get some friends and neighbors together. We can do this. We just could not get this, this vehicle out. So I was like, well, whatever. We have AAA. We'll, we'll call and they'll bring us a tow truck. Okay. So I get on the phone, get out my AAA card, dust it off because I never use it, and call them. And uh, they say, yeah, we can help you totally. Great. Uh, there will be a tow truck drive there, driver there at 2 a.m., This is like 7 p.m., 2 a.m., and this is because everybody in the state of Minnesota was having the same problem, and they're all calling co-truck drivers, so they were like, I was like, are you kidding me, 2 a.m., but we could not get this thing out. Well, it's going to be a late night. (laughs) Glad it's not my car. I'm going to bed. See you later. (laughs) No, I I stayed up, and, you know, so we're just waiting for this tow truck driver to show up, and the tow truck driver shows up at, like, 11 p.m., and I'm like, wow, this guy is great. Like, under promise, over deliver, you know, that idea. So he shows up close to midnight, and I'm thinking, this is the greatest thing in the world. Now, this is the part I'm I'm excited about. This is the part I want to tell you about, because this tow truck driver was something else. Like, this guy was the most positive, optimistic person I think I've ever met. The temperature had dropped that night to negative eight degrees. So I go out and I'm always, you know, this is my personality. I'm always trying to be helpful. Like, hey, can I push any buttons? Can I ho- attach anything? Like, can I help you do your job? You know, that's, you know, of course they don't want me to. He's like, no, I got this. No problem at all. And he, I was like, man, you know, you seem kind of excited. It's a little cold out. He's like, no, I love this. This is fantastic. It was so cold. You know, your nose is dripping and it's freezing. It's just the, the whole disgust. i like, can I bring you some coffee? He's like, no, I love this weather. I love helping people out. And I'm like, man, this is great. Well, I guess I'll just go back inside. And of course, I go back inside because this is who I am. I'm just watching him from the window. And this dude is so optimistic and happy in, in, in this, in, under these conditions that I felt a little threatened. I'm like, look, positivity is kind of my thing. And you're kind of like zeroing in on my little corner of the world. You need to back off. dude. be a little upset. And it's almost like this guy was showing me that, okay, you can be... Optimistic, you can be positive, you can be happy, but unless you're happy in negative eight degrees, working the graveyard shift outdoors happy, then you're, you don't know what happiness is. And I <laughs> felt like schooled in happiness. And so this guy did this thing, took him a couple minutes, and, and you know, got out of there. And I went back inside and I was like, I told my wife, I told Kareem, like, this guy was so happy he was so, like it was just the most amazing thing i i wanted to have another like like tow truck emergency just so he could come back and i could just kind of bask in the in, in the in the glow of his happiness and she's like well you should call the company did you get his name and i was like no i have no idea who he was like this this tow truck angel just came <laughs> and, and then he left again i don't I have no idea who it was, and I was kind of bummed that I didn't, uh, didn't find how he was. I, like, I paid him for his services, obviously, but I would have paid much more than what was um, required of me because of how he went, and the only way I can describe is, is how he went above and beyond. Now, it wasn't what he did, but it was how he did it. It wasn't that he did the thing he was, I called him to do. It was the way in which he did the thing that I called him to do that blew me away. We're going to read a portion of our text that we've been looking at over the last couple weeks. If you haven't been with us, it's in Luke chapter 10. And uh, if you have some familiar familiarity with the Bible, you'll know this passage as the the, uh, the story of the Good Samaritan. And I know it's a story that we sometimes relegate just to for the kids, but there's so much rich, richness and depth that Jordan and I, as we were planning this sermon series, realized there's just so much to talk about. And so next week will be the final uh, message in this series. But there's just so much to talk about in here. And, and, and I, I, I guarantee it's not like we're just reading treading the same ground. There's just deep, deep, deep stuff in here. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 10, and we're going to jump to the, like, kind of the bottom of the story so if you know it, you know it's the, the, the guy that got beat up and the priest looked at him. He's like, mm, I can't help him. I don't want to get unclean. So he went around the other side. The Levite went around the other side. And then the Samaritan who was enemies with, uh, they were enemies with the Jews. The Samaritan comes and helps him. And this is kind of where we talk about, like Jordan talked about last week, uh, how do you help? How do you do something that's actually helpful, that helps us know what to do in these situations? So Luke chapter 10 and verse 34. This is the Samaritan. He went to him. He bandaged his wounds. He poured oil and wine, uh, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, Samaritans, brought him to an inn and took care of him. Verse 35, the next day he went out and took two denarii, however much money, enough money, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you have. Now, Jesus is telling a story, likely making up a story to help illustrate a point he's making. Could be something that really happened that he's referencing, bringing to people's minds. But he's telling a story, and he gets to the end of this. In verse 36, and he says, you'll just have to look in your Bibles. He said, which guy, which guy was the friend, or which guy was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. The one who had mercy. Now, this isn't going to be interesting to you right off the bat, so i got to bring you along on my little journey a little bit as I'm studying this, because you're like, okay, nice. Let's move on to the next story. The one who had mercy. Now, I'm reading that, and that's, that's an interesting choice of words. The one who had mercy on him. Because when I think of the word mercy, I think of a situation in which I did something I should not have done, and an authority figure in my life, or someone I care about, somebody I love, somebody who could hold it over me, bring the hammer down, chooses not to do that and instead extends mercy. Well, wow, that's very thoughtful. Thank you for extending mercy. That's that's very nice of you. But this scenario doesn't feel Like mercy, It kind of does. Like broadly speaking, if you're just to throw out a bunch of nice words about somebody, oh, he was good, he was merciful, he was kind, he was compassionate, he was loving. Like broadly speaking, but mercy is interesting to me. Now, before you think like you're digging too deep, I want to show you what I'm talking about. Because I think mercy is a word that is doing its best, but doesn't fit the concept. And I'm going to explain that here in just a second. It's doing its best, but it's too small of a word to fit what's going on. On in this story. It's too small of a word. Let me, uh, let me illustrate this um, a little bit. I want to lay a little groundwork because English, right, is, a, is an amalgamation of w- languages and we pick words from different languages all the time. And so this week I was looking up some different words in different languages to which there's no English equivalent, right? We don't have a way in English to say some of these things and I thought this was kind of interesting. So let me show you a couple of them. First of all, this first one is, uh, go to the next slide if you would. Kummerspeck, I pronounced that absolutely 100% correctly, just so you know that, not necessarily, how many of you are looking at somebody you know kind of speaks German, and you're like, was that right? Kummerspeck, now this is, this is a word that is, it, it means fat gained due to emotional overeating, right? Now, there is never a scenario in which you should use this word. Hey, you're looking a little Kummerspeck today, huh? Like, there's just no way it should ever come up. But this is the thing I loved about it uh, because this, it's two words. The Kummer is like sadness and sorrow, and the Speck is, uh, it can mean like flab. It's like a colloquialism for flab. But it also, this is true. I, I checked it with my source this morning who speaks German. It can also mean bacon. <laughs> so, this word can kind of mean sadness bacon, right? <laughs> and in that vivid, you're just like having a rough day, eating your sadness bacon, <laughs> gaining kummerspeck, right? Kind of means like this pork, you got a little porky from, from sadness overeating. I never use that word because I can't envision a scenario in which you should. That wouldn't be insulting. But I thought it was interesting. We just don't have a, a good equivalent for that. Um, this one, I should have asked my expert because my dad was actually born in, in Scotland, so he would know this, so maybe you can clarify with him later. But this word, it's, it's, it's tartle. It's tartle. It feels like something you should eat or something like that, but it's, again, a colloquialism describing the experience of introducing someone, I forgot to put the one on there, someone, but forgetting their name. So you're like, oh, you got a friend here and another person here, and you're like walking up and like, hey, I want you to meet, this is my good friend, and then blank on the name, right? Have you ever had that happen? Did this ever come up when you were a kid in Scotland? He's nodding his head. All right, all right. there, there you go, confirmation. Tartle. And so the phrase would be, excuse my tartle, is what you would say. Excuse my tartle. I don't recommend saying that either. Like, that's not something I think you should say. But that, that would be, like, there's a word for that. I've had that happen. I've had that. Excuse my tartle. Maybe we should start using it at church. Um, I got two more, and then, and then we'll move on. I'll make my point I want to make. But this is a fun one. Uh, J.S., I, I don't think I'm pronouncing that right. But it's a joke told... So poorly, again, told should be there. So poorly told or so unfunny that one can't help but laughing. In other words, a dad joke, right? <laughs> yeah, because I get lots of rolled eyes when I try some of these jokes on, on my kids. I, lo- I love that. And then this last one, I worked really hard to pronounce this right. I don't know that I will, but I think it's backpfeifing zeigt. Backpfeifenge. Oh man, I got my expert in pronunciation. He's like, nah. But just, just pretend that's how I said it. And this word means a person who needs to be slapped. Now, this is, again, never, never a word that you would ever want to use in polite society. So, I'm not giving you a vocabulary lesson here. Don't use these words. But it literally means, it literally means a face that needs a fist. That's, now, little confession time. Confession's good for this whole. Have you ever felt like there is a person who has a face that's in need of a fist? Yeah. Like, that's why we come to church and say... You know, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving my sinful thoughts, but, but back, fiefen, gaziet. Ah, close enough, yeah, all right. I speak German now, all right. So mercy, mercy is one of those words. You can go to the next slide if you would, but mercy is one of those words. It's, it's like, it just, we don't have the good English equivalent to describe it. It's just, it doesn't, it needs a whole sentence. It's doing its best, but there's this grander concept. And it's what Greek translators of Hebrew used. And of course, that's not what Luke was written in. But it's what Greek translators of Hebrew used to describe this Hebrew word that's really good. It's called chesed. 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 Uh, I don't have a Hebrew expert in here. But it's kind of a guttural H. You say chesed. So, you can go back. We don't want to do that one yet. I want to show you that here in a second. But go, go back for now. Okay. I did not ask for any volunteers, but I'm going to demand volunteers of the youth group. I need one, two, three, four, five six, seven. They're all like not making eye contact. That's so funny. All right. I'm just going to have to count. All right. Oh, Harrison. Good job. All right. Front row. Matthew is like looking down. Please don't call on me. Come on. You got it. Front row. All you on the front row over to Taylor. Let's see. That's five. Let's see. Andrew and Jacob. Come on up. All right. These guys are going to do fantastic. Okay. Now I know you're talking about we're talking about like linguistics and words and here, but I I promise you there's a payoff if you follow along with what we're talking about here. So here's the Hebrew word. You can hold that up nice and high because you're tall. So that's hesed, and then that's the Hebrew for it. Like you can all read Hebrew. Actually, read it this way. But you you or I'm backward. You know what I'm talking about, okay? So I'll just you hold on to that. You hold on to that. There you go. There you go. Good job. All right, thank you guys. You guys are going to be my sign holders, and I'll, I'll ask you to hold those signs up a little higher here, uh, here in just a second. So these are, <laughs> I won't, nobody will be able to see it. All right, this is our word. That's, that's this idea of mercy that often gets translated mercy, chesed. There's a little guttural H sound, okay? That's the, that's the word that we see in this passage, Septuagint, all that kind of stuff. I'll give you some background on that in here in just a second. Translators had such a hard time translating this word that it appears in Scripture 245 times, but it is rendered 169 different ways. Whoa! That's nuts. That is nuts that's crazy because nobody can like quite agree on exactly what it means in fact all of your most of your major translations of the bible so some of you like have king james some of you have niv some of you have new american Standard, some of you have nrsv if well jordan has nrsv i don't know if anybody else does but some of you have esv right you have these different translations every single one of the major translations of the bible picked a different primary word they didn't always translate it the same but most of the time they picked a different word from other translators because you can imagine like in the these deep, dark, deep, dark rooms where they're taking the Hebrew and the Greek and they're trying to turn it into English, they're like, Alright, we got this word, said what are we gonna do? And one guy says, You know what? It needs to be it needs to be the word love. Raise your raise your love. It needs to be love. That's a good word. That that describes it. The one who showed love to him. That's good. But other other translators are like, no, 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 that's not quite right. It's it's more of a it's more of a kindness. It's more of a, a kind love. I picked the wrong arm, sorry. More of a kind love. It, it, it's, ki- it's love, but it's like more than just love, it's it's kindness. Love is not a big enough word. And so some translators are like ah oh, here we go goodness that's the one goodness that we need to translate it that way or some are say loyalty which they're all good things they're all good virtues but they're all different right we got uh, mercy kindness love kindness steadfast love so everybody holds your heart real high these are how different and there's more but these are some of the major ways different translations translate this one word now these are all different things right now how many of you are like oh my goodness languages all right bear with me here I think what happened was is that as they were going through trying to figure out how do we translate this one word, they were arguing, trying to one group was like kindness, 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 one group was love, 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 you know, and maybe it devolved into fist fights and or who knows what. But finally somebody came up, everybody put your your yours down and somebody's like, you know what, let's call it loving kindness. How many of you have seen that in the Bible? And that's what a lot of, them, they're like, let's just mix the two words together with some peacemaker who's like, guys, let's stop arguing. How about your word's good, your word's good, loving kindness, let's go home now. Like, that's maybe what somebody was done. You can, oh, you already lowered him. So this is, all the, this is all the ways that different groups were trying to translate their, their, this word. Books have been written about this word. Books. Not like a little essay that you can read, you know, in the New Yorker. Books have been written about this word. And that's the, the next slide. I was looking this up this week because I was like, I need some help with this word. So the book is called The Word Has Said in the Hebrew Bible. Hardcover. Only 128 bucks. That's all. If you have 128 bucks lying around, you can buy it used for 116 bucks. I was telling Jordan about this. I was like, 128 bucks for a book about a word? Jordan's like, oh, that's well worth it. I'd pay twice that much for that word. So, (laughs) A book! That's crazy. This is the description of the book. Go to the next slide. The author achieves a new degree of semantic refinement based on meticulous quantitative analysis of, dis- of distribution, collocations, parallels, and syntams. Syntams. I had to look that up. I don't know what that meant. I looked it up. I don't know what it means still. I still don't know what it means. That... No kidding, that's like the back cover. Hmm, $128 book, what's this about? I still don't know. I need a dictionary to help me understand what the book is describing itself as. You can imagine. Now, this word is important. Hold it up high for me. This word is important because it shows up some important places in the Bible. It shows up in Psalm 23, 6. Surely goodness and chesed will follow you all the days of your life. Now, some of your transcendents say Mercy. That's the one we're most familiar with because that's what the King James did. They translated mercy. Exodus 34, 6 and 7. This is God describing himself to Moses. This is God speaking for himself, telling Moses who he is, and he uses the word twice to describe himself. It's a pretty important word. Twice to describe himself. In Micah chapter 6, verse 8, this is a verse a lot of people are familiar with. Uh, he has shown you, o, o mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love Good job. Good job. Um, and, and to walk humbly with your God. This is that word. It's so big. It's so huge that there's just not one single word that can contain it. That can contain it. Thank you guys. You guys can, can sit down. Thanks for doing such a good job holding up things. You guys could literally do nothing and they would applaud because they love you. you are, you're, that was your parents clapping for you right there. Good job holding up a sign. So this is an important word. Now, now, we, you're, you're saying you're like, oh, Patrick, you kind of lost me because it's love and goodness and mercy and all those things. Those are all kind of the same thing. It doesn't, really, it doesn't really matter. Just throw a word in there, Patrick. It doesn't matter. That's so not true. This is who God is using to describe himself. It does matter what we think this word is, and there's just not a word that describes it for us. Um, that, so this is what the word means. Some of those expensive books will say things like excess in beneficence that's what the word means excess in beneficence it's not doesn't work well in a song you know just doesn't flow This is another one of the, the, the descriptions from uh, from one of those books is um, activity beneficial to the recipient in the context of a deep enduring commitment doesn't fit on an Instagram post you know just doesn't doesn't feel right in the caption this is probably my favorite, but it's still too much. To actively and loving go above and beyond the requirements of an agreement for the benefit of the other party. You just can't work that into a song. That doesn't flow well in a verse. You can't say, surely goodness and active loving above and beyond requirements of an agreement for the benefit of the other party shall follow me all the days of my life. That just doesn't work. These words are trying, they're, they're too small to com- contain this huge idea. It's a huge idea. So hesed is love it's goodness, it's mercy, it's all those things, but it's, it's, it's more than all those things. And the only way that I can describe it, or the element of the word that I want to like, like just really focus on is the fact that it's those things, but in above and beyond qualities. Above and beyond. And this, listen church, if no other reason, this is worth the price of admission. This is so important that God, again and again and again in Scripture, wants you to know this about him. I will love you above and beyond. I will bless you above and beyond. I will commit to you above and beyond what you are willing to commit to me. The story of the Bible is God committing to his people and his people failing him over and over and God saying, doesn't matter, I still love you anyway. Read the book of uh, Hosea. It's got this word all over in it. And it's, a, it's an illustration of that exact idea. God loves us in a way that is not looking for a line. That's important. He's not looking for a line. He's not looking to say, Patrick, well, you really messed up this time. It's been fun, but I'm out. That's how God loves us. He's not looking for a line. It's love without limits. Love above and beyond. And really, is there, is there no more vivid, clear description of this idea than in God sending his son to die for us? That is above and beyond to an infinite degree. And that's what God wants you to know about Him. But wait, there's more. Here's the pivot. And this is where you you really come into play here. Not only is this what God wants you to know about Himself, this is the standard of behavior God is trying to produce in you. This is the standard of behavior God is trying to produce in you, above and beyond. Like my tow truck guy. He wants you to do what He wants you to do, but it's not just doing it. He wants you to do it in a way that says, I love you. I'm good to you. I commit to you. I'm, I bless the people around me above and beyond. That's what God is looking for us. And, and when you see that, you, you begin to see that, that this is really all over Scripture. And I'll get to that in a second. But the human default, the human default in many circumstances, if not obedience, is just compliance. You know what I mean? Now, you're like, no, 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 I'm, I always go above and beyond. All right, your taxes this year. Are you going to be like, oh, you know, I owe this much, but whatever, the government's going to do good things with my money. I'll just write them a little extra. How many of you do that? No? Really, at the end of your taxes, you know, hey, you can donate $5 to whatever. I'm like, no, I'm not going to donate $5 to whatever. Forget it. Some of you may do that because you're so good at paying your taxes above and beyond. No, we, we don't want to be disobedient, right? But we're only going to be compliant. We're not going to be disobedient, but just compliant. We don't do the wrong thing but we're just going to barely do the right thing, right? That's a lot of what we like to do. Now, you're, you're like, well, maybe, maybe it's book reports, right? You remember book reports when you were a kid? And your teacher said, all right, there's a three-page book report due on Far From the Madding Crowd. But, you know, and you're like, no way. That three pages, had so much time, so much space. And so this is probably back in the day. I don't know if you could do this anymore because I think teachers caught on. But you're like, three pages. Okay, no problem. I got this. Double-spaced. Two, two you know, 2.0 hmm, maybe 2.1, 2 point, pretty soon it's like 3, 3.0, and it's just getting bigger and bigger, and you're like, hmm, I don't know about that 10 point font, 10 is okay, but 12 is better, you know? And then you're like, hmm, I don't know, that Times New Roman, that's just not a good font. What's the biggest font that there is? And you're like, I'm gonna, and then you start off your book report, and you write like, this book was really, 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 really good. Lies, right, you know? I enjoyed it very, 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 very much. You know, like, all right, I'm already up to 16. This is fantastic. You know, like, no, we do. And you didn't get to the end of the book report. Like, you're counting, right? Some of you maybe enjoyed writing reports. I actually did. Some of you, you're, you're counting, and you're, like, getting to that third page. Or you're getting to, like, the number 3,000 or whatever, and you're, like, 299. Does a period count as a word? I don't know. Like, I got to get to that. Or 2,999. I got to get to that 3,000. But you're not going to go above and beyond because we like, we don't want to be disobedient, so we'd be compliant, which isn't real similar. It's just a little narrow line between disobedience and compliance. Right, parents? There's a little narrow line between your teens being disobedient and compliant. You're like, ah, I, I, well, okay, you can't get in huge trouble because now you're being obedient, but you're just, you're not being, there's no above and beyond there. I want the above and beyond. You ask your teen to, or your teen, you ask your elementary age kid to say sorry to their sibling, I'm sorry. <laughs> Come on. Like go above and beyond a little here. So the human default, if not disobedience, is just, just compliance. How do I not go to jail? How do I get a passing grade? How do I not look bad in front of other people? But but taxes, book reports notwithstanding, we're, we're looking for the line. And has said is is the opposite of looking for the line. God is not looking for the line with you, and God asks you not to look for the line with others. This is so important. I want want you to see this. It's all over scripture, but I want you to see this in the text. If you jump to Luke 10, uh, 34 and 35 again, I'm going to make our guy bounce around a little bit, but we'll come back to that passage you're about to go to. Luke chapter 10, verses 34 and 35. We put those guys through the ringer up there. Well, Jordan is pretty. He follows what he's supposed to, but I'm all over the place and they're just like totally guessing. I don't know what he's going to talk about next. Luke chapter 10, 34. This is is the Samaritan and Jesus is offering this description. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds and he could have said, ah, that's good, but... He did more. He poured oil and wine. That's good. Somebody will come along, pick him up, I'll call 911, whatever, that's good. But he did more. Then he put him on his donkey and, uh, and he brought him to an inn and it wasn't like he brought him to Motel 6. It was just a little different than that. Brought him to an inn and that would have been good. He could have dumped him off outside of town for all he cared. You know, he's probably not supposed to go in this, this uh, who knows if it's a Samaritan town or a Jewish town, but he, he did that. And then he stayed the night with him to take care of him. And then, on top of that, he paid for this guy's needs. I mean, it's not his responsibility. And then, on top of that, he's like, here, here's some extra money in case more expenses come up. And then, on top of that, if more stuff comes up, I'll pay that too when I come back. Do you think Jesus is trying to describe something here? He's not trying to describe obedience. He's not trying to describe compliance. He's trying to describe something much bigger and broader. He says, this Samaritan did not Look for the line. He was, he showed, and even the expert of the law saw this, he showed said to this, this guy that was beaten up on the side of the road. You begin to see this all over Scripture when you start looking for it. Matthew chapter 5, such a good example of this. Hey, if somebody asks you to go one mile or forces you to go one mile, how many go two? If somebody sues you for your tunic or your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Now, is Jesus saying, hey, um, if somebody asks you to go 5,280 feet, you should go, I don't know the math, 10,000-something-something-something, right? Is Jesus saying, count your steps, get out the ruler, so when you hit that two-mile mark, I'm done, I'm out. Is that what Jesus is trying to communicate here? No. He's saying, you go above and beyond. Somebody sues you for your, your coat and then give him extra? Can you imagine somebody sues you? Hey, how much are you wanting from me? Oh, everything I got? Well, that's great. You can have everything I got and some more. How about that? That's, that's nuts. That is nuts. But that is what Jesus is asking of us. That's what God is asking us of our behavior. Let me give you an example real quick. Um, this was years ago. I was working uh, at a church in Iowa, and I was asked by someone else to go visit someone um, that I didn't know. I didn't know who these people were, and they're like, oh, they probably could use a visit. And I'm like, well, why don't you go visit them? Well, you're the preacher. You go visit them. Okay, all right. I didn't want to, right? I was, I was like, okay, I'd, I'll be compliant, right? I'll be here. And uh, so I went and visited this couple. We talked, but I, like, I was looking for the exit. You know, I was trying to offer the cues. Well, looking at my watch, guess it's time for me to go. And I'm like, finally, after, you know, an hour, way longer, way above and beyond, right? But I'm still being compliant, way above and beyond in my mind. I'm like, well, I got to go now. And they said, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, can, you, uh, can you drive us to the grocery store? Uh, okay. Yes. Compliance. Yes. I didn't slump my shoulders that, but I, you know, me, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, okay. But that's the, inside me, it was like, hmm. So we got to the grocery store, and I'm just going to pull up, drop them off the door, park, wait for them, to take them home. And so I pull up, and they're like, oh, can you come inside and help us carry stuff? Okay. Compliance. Well, yeah, okay. So I go inside, and I'm helping them carry stuff, you know. We're walking back up to the checker, and, uh, and they, we get there, and they're ringing it up, and, and they say, oh, we don't have enough money for this. Can you, can you pay? Okay, uh, all right, yeah. You know, here I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but there's no, there's no love involved in this at all. So I take them home, and I, ba- I don't even want to stop, right? I just want to, like, slow down and, hey, you guys roll out of the car. I'm out. I got caught in a spider web here, and I've been here a lot longer than I intended to, but I- can you help us carry the groceries inside? Uh, And then I was like, I I go in, I mean, every step of the way, I'm just like, okay, I'll do it. But I'm being compliant. I'm not being above and beyond. And part of me is like, what do you want me to do? Read you a bedtime story? Tuck you in? Like, you know, that's me being not very nice. But that's what I'm thinking. That is, although I did what I was supposed to do, I was not doing it in the way that God wanted me to do it. There was no love there was no mercy, there was no grace, there was no goodness, there was no loyalty, there was no steadfastness, there was no loving kindness. None of those qualities that God has exhibited to me were I, was I showing to those people. Oof. God, God is asking us to go above and beyond, to love without limits. And here, as I was working on this sermon, here's where I got to this, and I'm like, no limits. If I say love without limits, people in the audience are going to be like, mm, that makes me nervous. And that sounds draining and exhausting because I have people in my life that I know I'm supposed to love, but I am looking for the exit ramp as soon as I can. As soon as I can past disobedience to compliance, I'm out of there. Love without limits, how much time, how much money, how much, how much do you expect me to give? So I'm, working on this sermon and I'm like, okay, well, and I literally wrote down, I was like, well, here, where are the limits? In my sermon about love without limits, I wrote down, hmm, how do we find the limits? How do I offer the tools to this audience that I'm going to talk to so they don't feel nervous about what I'm telling them Jesus said to do? How do I find the tools to let them off the hook? But you know what? I'm not going to let you off the hook today. You have people in your life that need your above and beyond love and you can't find the exit ramp quickly enough. But you know what God wants from you is to go further than you want to go to love them. To love them more deeply than you want to love them. To give more than you want to give. And you're like, but where's the limit? Where's the edges? I'm not going to resolve that for you. Maybe you have to figure that out as you figure out how to navigate your your commitments to your family and your job. Maybe you have to figure that out, but I'm not going to resolve that for you because I don't think our problem is is that we go too far. I think our problem is, is that we don't go far enough. We're looking for compliance and we're not looking for deep obedience to God. So, you'll find what you're looking for, but what would it look like to go above and beyond with your neighbors, your actual neighbors? What would that look like? What would that look like? What would it look like to go above and beyond with your in-laws? Oh boy, Patrick. (laughs) Uh, What would that look like to go above and beyond with your family? Sometimes in in our culture, we treat family as an idol, and sometimes we give them too much, but sometimes we don't. That sounds weird to say we give them too much. You're like, explain that a little bit more. Not a different sermon. What would it look like to go above and beyond for your coworkers? What would it look like to go above and beyond for that person in your mind that you're like, ah, I will help anybody else, but if that person asks me, "Mm, I don't know. How far do I have to go, Patrick? Well, let me just wrap up by saying this. We better be so grateful that God wasn't asking that question. Shouldn't we? That God wasn't looking at us and saying, wow, well, man, Patrick, he is messing up. How far do I have to go? He clearly answered that. He said he would go as far as it takes. And so when we see Christ, when we are reminded of Christ through like the communion we took earlier, um, what we are reminded of is that God loves us without limits. There's, there's nothing more that He could give. He has given everything that He could give. He loves us without limits. And he asks the same thing for us. And doesn't that make you a little uncomfortable? It does. Well, yeah, but I got this friend that is just a mess up, and if you knew their life, and if you knew their story, well... If you have problems with knowing what to do, go back and listen to last week's sermon. Jordan helped us talk about helping that helps. And if you need some help in that area, listen to that. But I don't think our default is to do too much. I think our default is to be compliant. And I want us, I want me to be more like Christ. Jesus didn't give... Uh, us and out in this story. Jesus didn't give himself an out on the way to the cross. He didn't give an excuse. He just said, he just said and this is the thing we've been ending every week, these, these message series with, but he said to the, the expert in the law, he said, you, you go. If you want to know what it really means to, to have eternal life from the beginning of the message, you go and do likewise. We're going to turn things over to, uh, to Dave to close us out, um, but just a challenge, just a challenge to remind us that we need to love Without limits, you can come up on stage too. Down here. Oh wow. well, wow, that's such a challenge.